Christmas, Christmas is coming. Not long now. Procrastinate at your desk. Put this on for an hour and tell your boss you're doing some research. No one wants to work anymore. It's the time to kind of sneak off. Go to the kitchen. Have a chat with your boss. What are you doing for Christmas? How's your niece doing? Whatever you can do to get out of that work. Anyways, this all will be revealed in 15 seconds. 10 seconds. Oh, I'm excited. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Architecture Social. It's, what day is it today? It's Thursday. We're on the edge to Christmas. So if you're in the office now, I'm going to give you the perfect excuse to get distracted for 45 minutes to an hour, because I've got an important, juicy topic that came up with my colleagues that I know from Macarillaria. We'll do a proper introduction of them. But last week, over a Christmas festive beer, we were getting frustrated with the barriers in architecture, all the stuff that prevents awesome people from entering the industry, difficulty from progressing within the industry, and so on and so forth. So without further ado, I have the awesome Joe, Maguire, and I have the awesome Lawrence. I forget your surname now. It's Richards, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Really awesome. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Are you all right? Oh, we're cracking. Yeah, good. Thank you. Cold. We, yeah, it's cold here. You know, you're in the office, the beautiful office. Now, maybe, first of all, Lawrence, because you're closer to me, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone that hasn't met you so far? Yeah. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Lawrence. I'm a part two architectural assistant here at Ackroyd Lowry. Um, I'm 29, which means I've been studying to become an architect for 11 years, or I'm turning 29, rather. <laughs> yeah. And we'll go on to talk a bit about why that might be a problem. Um, and yeah, I'm working on projects here at Ackroyd Lowry. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Lawrence. Joe, my, we go back before people <laughs> don't know you. Okay, Joe, who are you? Uh, I'm Joe. So I'm, again, me and Stephen do go back, not that far, a couple of years. <laughs> um, but I'm almost an architect, not quite yet. I'm 26, so I've just registered. I'm waiting for registration to come back. So I'm not entirely sure on the legalities of that, but I would probably say I'm not quite an architect yet. You're pretty um, nearly there, aren't you? I have to get there. some... Yeah, I no, got some... I think I got some party music for you. Let me have a little <laughs> look here. Let's get some party music. Let's get all happy. Well done, Joe. I you know you're there. Either. You're not. You can't hear it. Oh, no. I think that's I just have you. To go. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've dear. done all the hard bit. You've done all the hard bit. Now I'm waiting for them you just to tell to make me some money. Waiting for them to tell me that um, it's all good. Oh, brilliant. Well done. So that's interesting. So we're at different points of the spectrum between us. I mean, I'm a part two. I kind of gone off into an alternate career. But Lawrence, you're on your way of doing your part three. Joe, you pretty much got there. But also remind me, so what universities are you boys from as well? Uh, yeah, I went to UE in Bristol for my undergrad. And mm -hmm. then Joe and I both met at Manchester uh, School of Architecture for my part two. 
Nice. Um, I went to yeah. Manchester as well. We're, we're you know, I, I love the North. <laughs> you know, yeah, I got a yeah. soft spot for the North. But you know, during my undergrad, I went to the University of Westminster. And it was very different cultures, and, and back then, because it was like the old statistics, right? I mean, what I can't remember what they were called before. UCAS points, right? And you basically at Westminster, you could pretty much get in with anything at the time, right? But now. They've gone a bit more fancier, you know what I mean? And now it's yeah. hard to get the UCAS points. So that's one barrier to begin with before we even start, because now you've got to have like three or four A's are equivalent. And I remember Cardiff University had massive requirements as well. And I, of course, being Welsh, wanted to study in Cardiff, but I couldn't get in, gents. I mean, what was yeah. your experience of getting into architecture? I mean, I went, I went to the Lincoln for my undergrad, and that was largely for that reason. It was UCAS points then, and it was mainly I went to Lincoln because they'd take me. Um, I applied to several of the universities, and they all kind of didn't even give me an offer. So oh, getting, in, getting, the, um, getting an offer from Lincoln was, was a godsend, and they, uh, yeah, they let me in. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, once you get past that point, it's almost like, things start to matter less about your A-levels. Like once you get past and you've got your first, your undergrad degree, then you you can be kind of, forget about it a little bit and you're away. Yeah, I, <laughs> me too for UCAS points. I uh, I didn't get what I, what, what, you know, what my offer was. Um, I, I needed 20 more, which was like an extra grade. Um, yeah. And the stress of that, I've never been more stressed than the night before my A-level results. Um, and it, it, I don't think it's fair on those, you know, young people who are like going through a lot at that time in their life anyway. Um, and the amount of riding on it, you know, it does define your future in, in far too big a way. And yeah, I, I, I luckily they accepted me anyway. But otherwise you got clearance, haven't you? Um, and, you know, maybe you weren't so good. Maybe you peaked at the different time. Maybe A-levels weren't for you. Maybe academia wasn't for you or at least at the time. Yeah, and as you say, it is a barrier because there's, I know plenty of people who are great architects who didn't get very good grades. And you know, if you were going by that system, maybe they weren't wouldn't have been let in through the first door, yeah. um, which is a problem. And we'll go on to talk about that a bit more. But um, yeah, I take your point. Now, I think we both got kind of lucky in that sense. As Joe says, mm -hmm. when you you know any young people out there, as you move up to masters, um, and definitely like going in, you know, getting jobs, those kind of things really matter way less. And like if you are going through your GCSEs or A-levels, um, give yourself a break. Obviously, work hard and get do the best you can. But like, you know, there are there are routes and, yeah. and there are alternative routes emerging that aren't this traditional route that's going to take you at least seven years. Yeah, well said, well said. And you're right, the architectural apprentice scheme, I think, is quite an interesting one. And actually, one of our colleagues, you know, in Acro Lowry is doing the architectural apprentice scheme. So it would be interesting to learn there through that good old good old Benny boy you know and yeah. we should have brought him up should have brought him up he'd be yeah we, we we're can, trying to we get can, involved we'll get in for round two you know okay. um, but what I was going to say the last point about the UCAS points in the entry I don't know about you guys but I remember when I studied architecture we had a career um, when I was going into it I was interested in that I was in college in Wales you know college and in college they basically had a career <laughs> counsellor and the career counsel I went to, I was like, look, I want to do architecture. He was like, no, you can't do that. 
And I said, why not? And he said, well, you haven't got maths and physics, you know. And um, that's a complete massive barrier as well, because obviously those are useful skills, but you can do lots of different stuff and, and become an architect, yeah. you know. And, and I always look back, because I studied IT and graphic design, which you could argue is a really handy skill in architecture. But I don't know, what about you? Do you think like um, maybe career coaches, counselors, they're useful, but their understanding of architecture is kind of that old school way, you know? I think the issue in that almost is that they're that people don't know. Like people don't know what they don't know. So like careers advisors and things, they haven't got any experience of our industry. And yeah. they're not they're not necessarily supposed to have a a wide ranging understanding of all professions and all industries that you could go in. I guess they're meant to just be quite compassionate and kind of helpful and push you in the right direction. I guess yeah. maybe your career advisor gave you a bit more invasive advice than what <laughs> you might have expected. Because yeah, one of the maybe, things we're trying to get through to people is like that things like the maths and physics is not really that important. And like, like there are some universities, I think, that you're required to do maths. Like I think Bath <coughs> require maths. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, like you can do almost anything as long as you've you generally have to do something creative. But apart from that, like I only really did product design, and that's what was my creative thing that took me through. Yeah, I, I mean, you, we um, we were given, we actually went along to one of these career talks recently. Um, we were at uh, Cardinal Pole School, which is around the corner from us in um, Bethnal Green, and we were talking about this very topic. Um, and, like, you know, people are interested when you tell them that you're working architecture, and they a lot of people I've spoken to in my past have said, oh, I would have loved to have done that, but I'm just rubbish at maths. Um, that's such a, a cliche thing to say, isn't it? And and the truth is that you don't really do any maths, or at least not that complex stuff. You do at A level, integration, and whatever else. You know, you, yeah. I mean, no, I hope you don't mean saying this. You're pretty rubbish at maths. Yeah, I'm not very good at maths. <laughs> I mean, when we're trying to, when I'm trying to ask for some change for a beer, like I don't rely on Joe. Um, but then yeah. equally, you know, for me, it was the other way around. I was quite good at maths and I didn't do academic, uh, creative topics at A-level. And I was, I was always had that kind of imposter syndrome about yeah. the fact that I wasn't like one of these really flary artistic people. So I would, yeah, my message would be like, whatever you're doing, go for architecture. It's not like anything you've ever done at school or college. Um, yeah. You know, as you said, art and graphic design are probably the closest you're going to get. But really, it's like it's a whole nother art form that has a lot more like parameters on top of it just work hard do your best at school and college and and go for it if you think it's interesting and you know we'll come on to this in more detail but what we're offering here at Aquid Larry is um, work experience placements and that's a great way of giving yourself a little test if you think it might be for you come over here we can give you a week's work experience and we'll give you just a little taste of what it's like to be an architect we've got this whole program set up with a you know, a, a fake site or a real site, but a fake project and a fake brief. Um, and we can, you know, help you decide if it's what you want to do. Cause without that, you're really stepping into the unknown when you head to university. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and look, good for you, good for you guys in terms of, you know, going to the universities, maybe my career counselor could have used you popping in, you know, and you go, Oh yeah, there you go. Let's, let's hear what the architects have to say. So what was it like doing that then, then gents? I mean, when you, when you got invited to it, how did you prepare to speak what? to these kids, you know. I'm... Sorry, go on. <laughs> that was it. Go, go for it. I think, uh, like you just said, it's important for people from architecture and other professions to go to these things and tell people uh, and talk to kids at whatever age. I think we went to talk to 
at Cardinal Pole, like they were year nine, so like 13, 14. I guess they're just thinking about what they're going to do and where they might go. Mm. Um, and like getting in front of a bunch of kids who maybe had never thought about architecture before and explaining what our jobs are and maybe why they could have a kind of a part to play in it. Um, nice. I mean, it's hard to understand whether or not they took it on board, but some of them seemed interested. <laughs> yeah. like it were a pretty crazy experience. Like, I don't know if you can imagine standing in front of a room and uh, 13 to 14 year old kids, like they, yeah. they don't always yeah, want to listen. And yeah. a lot of them are interested in architecture, so they just don't, didn't, yeah. didn't really care. Coming out of two <laughs> years of two years of working, uh, doing school from home um, and then being thrown into year nine. Um, but no, I mean, it was it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. Um, your question was about like what we did to prepare, didn't we? Which yeah. was, we thought it'd be a good idea to do the entire session live, like an architect drawing diagrams <laughs> with their client. Um, that was that was interesting. That was fun. It was a good little test of our presentation skills. It gave us a good understanding of what's happening in schools because they don't have any pens at work. <laughs> yeah, and the whiteboards so, were tiny. The whiteboards were tiny. <laughs> they had no pens that worked. And none of, the, none of them knew how to use the um, digital whiteboards. So that would, that were a barrier. <laughs> yeah that was um, a barrier jeez ultimately we just wanted to yeah we just wanted to talk about how you get into it the different routes your different options there's a lot of questions about salary wasn't there um which as like two colleagues was a slightly uh <laughs> slightly interesting conversation to have in front of each other but we're friends first so it doesn't matter yeah fair enough fair enough yeah, oddly they i mean we i guess our I guess one of the things about architecture is that people think that our salary is undervalued and like we deserve more money, which, you know, I'm a big advocate for getting yeah. more money. I'm not against that. But when you talk to the kids about it, they were all very excited about the prospect of kind of these large sums of money, which they couldn't really understand. So I guess if you get in front of a, somebody who's 13 and you tell them that when you're an architect, you could earn upwards of £35,000 a year in eight, in eight years' time. They're like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Brilliant. So, well, it's really interesting and good for you to, for doing that. It's quite an interesting topic, though. So, because when I was scheduling this, you know, I thought just, and I know, Lawrence, you, you've kindly organized, um, you know, this talk, which is really useful when the host is me, right? We need organizing. And we'll get on to, you yeah, know, the people in behind the curtain, Stephen. It's just me, unfortunately, Chance. Now you've, now you've, you've seen. You've seen it backstage. It's anticlimactic, isn't it? What happens? No, no one going around with big cocktails like the Graham Norton show or Alan Carr, is it? It's just, it's just us on Zoom. It feels like. But um, going back to it, um, I find it really interesting because there's a lot of barriers in architecture. I mean, there's a barrier to study in architecture which we covered. But when you get into university, I mean, partly so it's half of it then is survival, right? You want to kind of get the best grade possible, and then often or not, it's like, hey, well done, you've graduated. Now go out into the big world. And depending on the university, depending on if you went to the court uh, course there and all this stuff, they they will have some shape or form about talking about. CVs and portfolios, but in essence, you're into the big wide world, right? And you've got to look for jobs. And then I think that there tends to be some barriers there. And I use the analogy, it's like a nightclub architecture and we're extremely difficult, you know, whether you're an overseas architect, you know, it's like, oh, oh, you haven't worked on 
UK buildings, that's not good. Or, ooh, you haven't got any BIM in your portfolios. Or maybe you're a graduate, like we were talking, and it's like, have you got any industry experience? Ooh, okay, well, okay. And you got all this stuff. Not every employer is like that, but there tends to be barriers that pops up. In your experience, gentlemen, what are the kind of barriers that you see people having to deal with in architecture that comes to mind? Um, yeah, I mean, I was the first year of the triple tuition fees, you know, so the nine grand a year. I think it's Ooh. gone up to like nine and a half now. Um, when we talked to those 14-year-olds and told them, you know, like I'm 10 years deep into this and I'm still not qualified. And Joe, mm -hmm. you did it in record pace, but yours was still, what, seven? Yeah, it's um, seven, eight years. And, you know, for five of those, you're paying nine and a half thousand pounds a year in tuition plus your, plus your maintenance. I think last time I checked, and I don't do it often because it's very depressing, I was in about 150,000 yeah. pounds of debt and I'm on like six and a half percent interest of that. So I don't touch the interest every year. It just, it's like exponentially growing. Yeah, um, got you. And when people hear that, you know, that is, I mean, we're sort of stepping backwards in terms of applying or maybe into masters, but that is surely is a massive barrier. And, you yeah. know, we, Part of part of the reason we got excited about having work experience students, especially especially those who maybe haven't thought about architecture before, was we were thinking about those people who university might not be an option. Maybe they've yeah. got to care for a loved one. Maybe they've got to start earning money once once they hit eighteen uh, yeah. straight away. And you know we need those types of people in the profession. It's not good enough that um, we that the profession isn't represented by like the national averages. You know we. We were just having a look um, at, before we came on. I mean, we're no experts in, in diversity, but we've got our own anecdotal um, experiences. And then you look, you look at the, you know, for example, the ARB's most recent, most recent survey, twenty nine percent, thirty one percent female. You know, that's that's not good enough. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially because when my our experiences at uni, you pretty much get a 50-50 split, which means that the top at the topper end, the older demographic, it must be worse than that. Um, that's not good enough. A one percent black, you know, compared to an eighteen percent national average, that's terrible. That's that's awful. One percent. We need to, yeah. Mm. And and then from our point of view, we were both state school educated. You know, there's such a large percentage of privately educated people in the profession. Um, I was looking at that little uh, what's his name uh, Phineas, Phineas Harper. Harper. He gave he gave a chat, didn't he, on the on TED Talk and his zine article. Saying, you know, I think the UK average roughly is about nine percent of kids go to private school, and yet fifty-five percent of architecture practices are run by privately educated people. And you know, oh, all of this adds up. All of that adds up to, um, you know, a profession that more chance, more often than not isn't taking into consideration the voices and opinions and you know cultures and, and everything that um, represent larger society and it's such an important profession for that to be the case because we're you know we're going to be designing cities um for decades to come and if we don't have those voices at the table they're going to be poorly designed cities mm. well said and um i'm glad that you brought up the fact that i mean money can be an extremely limiting um barrier that sometimes we don't like to talk about and i don't know why it's like oh we can't talk about money well you have to live we just this year there's cost of living crisis inflation and yes there's an amazing part of architecture where you guys get to design awesome buildings improves lives but yes 
it's expensive to study architecture and people need to live. London's an expensive city. So appreciate you bringing that up. Joe, do you want to add anything to that? Are you happy to? I think Lawrence took all the exciting points out of that one. So <laughs> well, you, he got, you he got the good enough. ones, didn't he? He <laughs> got all the good ones. Snuck it. No, Joe, no. you were telling me about that AJ ask about the cost of living. What was that? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh no, there was a there was an AG article that got released yesterday. Yesterday, I think. Mm. Um and it's about it touches on that effectively about whether you it's called can you still afford to be an architect in 2023? Oh um, I mean having said that the AJ it is behind a paywall, so you know that is that's a barrier in itself. But <laughs> that um, is, isn't it? It's the first year I could pay for it, to be honest. <laughs> um we only got it because the practice pays for it, so that's why we're in. <laughs> that's why we were able to read it. But um, yeah, I guess at a point when we're talking about a professional career where we're, you know, we're, I don't know, we design buildings and we, we design spaces and we seem to do all these exciting things. And then one of the, the questions is whether or not you, it's even plausible and can you even afford to do it anymore? Um, like in this time is pretty crazy. Like they're talking about um, architects and part ones and part twos needing to talk to the Architects Benevolence Society about getting kind of um, payments to them to be able to support their living. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I guess, anecdotally, for me, it's not been an issue, but I, it clearly, having read the article, uh, must be in some capacity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if that's something we're feeling like now, if you're looking at it from a perspective of somebody who, like Lauren said before, you're com- looking to go into a career, and you need to start earning money to support your family or you need to start, um, you just want to start earning money from as early as possible, then the prospect of facing, you know, eight years in education uh, potentially and then also coming out of it and then you've got people who are working in it saying we're not earning enough money to be able to support our lives. Yeah. Like it's not a good, uh, it doesn't look good from the, from one side and it's just stopping people wanting to get involved almost and it tends you know it tends towards people who don't need to worry you know people yeah. who have financial backing from their family or whatever it is people who are, you know are sat on wealth um can can take that time out to study they can take time to go on like grand tours of europe to study you know the neoclassical architecture of the past um yeah. because they they've got that back in and the more i mean you know the aj article talks about how wages are, are going up at half the rate that inflation is you know so ultimately in real terms everyone's taking a cut so those those people looking to get into the industry but who need the money as you say Stephen, like you know maybe they're thinking twice whereas those who yeah. who don't who don't aren't worried about that great i get to be an architect i, I get to design beautiful buildings doesn't really matter about the money and that class divide um yeah. grows i think it, yeah. it goes, i mean to switch on that again it, it, i can't find the the quote exactly but it goes on at some point to say like is architecture becoming a profession that's only accessible by people who are financially independent already which kind of it does limit those people we're talking about before like it just it's that's a barrier to stop it's stopping them thinking oh i'm going to get involved because i need money already to even be able to study this thing well Um, no you're right i was going to plug the article and i'll bring it up now but aj's website's not working so the one time i plug them for free their website's not working but people can try and click it later and maybe they'll have a bit more luck but sadly aj i couldn't get your website up but i do enjoy your work when it's there oh i've gone to the wrong one sorry i brought you back guys but here we go i just can see that um I've actually got a commentary 
that's come in from Paul, in who is vice president of the Manchester Society of Architects. Really cool stuff. Hey, not far from where we, our roots, boys. So um, Paul says, I've just done a workshop comparing architecture to, um, I think, to MasterChef and social long hours make uh, a few make serious money most do it for the love of it serious question why do so few few students even bother to google what an architect earns every time i ask it's less than 10 percent. it's paradoxical and frustration literally caveat emptor in the truth oof scathing commentary from mr paul there i mean i i know exactly why a lot of people google it and um when I speak to students, and I'll just throw that in. So, Paul, I think like um, Lawrence hit the nail on the head when you're paying nine grand a year, and you've also got your, you know, your living costs with on top of the nine grand and paying for the um, portfolio and the the models. It's you're both looking at sixteen grand a year. I did um, I did a rough calculation, um, gents, and I worked it out to be. Uh, between 65 to 90,000 pounds on average to become an architect. Now, if I'm going to spend 90 grand on something, I'm going to know, I want to know what I'm being paid. And I'll tell you another quick example of that where a good, it's like the salaries are higher in London, the cost of living is higher in London, and you get some really responsible employers in Manchester. But I remember a lot of good Manchester students would move to London because the equivalent salary is lower in some of the regions. And so you're always going to be thinking about salaries. And as a recruiter, salaries are a very important part of people choices is probably the top three it's about where i'll tell you the top three criterias are and this could be one barrier which is eased up is remote working but generally it's the top criterion recruitment is how much am i going to get paid where am i going to work and the new one is how often will i do i have to go to the office which wasn't one before right but now it's a big deal the average is between three to four days in the office one day or two days at home, you know, with a bit of flexibility. But maybe that's another um, point we can jump on. And Paul, thank you for adding the comment. But actually, before I move on, does that you want to add anything to my, to how I discuss that yeah. with Paul? I think the most interesting point that Paul made for me is the the bit about how we do it for the love of it, which is I think that is so true. And yeah. it's kind of the, the great thing about our, our job is, is how fun it is and how we get so passionate about our projects beyond our pay packet. But it's yeah. also, I think, part of our downfall. I mean, I'm no economics expert, I got a D. But the, the, you know, the general <laughs> premises of supply and demand is that you know like the wage will will dictate how many people want want the job where yeah. that gets skewed by the amount of people who just kind of give up on the you know getting a decent wage because they just want to yeah. design buildings and you know, part of the stuff we were talking about um with the you know traditional route being so long is that even even though it is so long you don't for me learn the right things and part of the stuff we were talking with the kids is that you might <coughs> then probably five six years at university learning to design and all the really which was great but all the really important legal bits you know the stuff the, the proper processes you've got planning and building control and constructing detailing and all of that comes in your, your, your final year it's what joe's just finished it's what i'm doing now yeah and so even though you spend all that time and all that money in university actually 
you're not learning the right things. These alternative routes now that are coming on board, hybrid stuff, you were just talking about Ben, who works here at Acrid Larry, is doing his hybrid education. He gets to work and study at the same time. Yeah. And he's learning, you know, the, the, the real life realities of it in practice. And then he's also doing a bit more fun, a bit more um, academic stuff at, you know, at school. And that seems like a great option. I think the AJ, are fi- uh, excuse me, Reba, are finally coming round to the, like, the problem of architecture education yeah. um, and getting on board with hybrids. I want to see more universities offering it. Um, and and that hopefully that will help people who need to be working whilst they study. I think what we what we're talking about is wanting to have more routes to to um, registration. Basically, like it's all well and good there being a traditional kind of route through because that's probably never going to go anywhere. Like maybe they'll it could be shortened slightly and you could lose some years here and there. But I think ultimately there's going there has there is going to be a university based like traditional route to registration. But there should be more options for people to be able to get to i guess where i'm about to hmm. to uh, step out into somehow yeah yes. if you want to do that route that we took go for it and if it works for you go for it and i will point out you know maybe you're not aware of like maintenance grants i got four maintenance grants um you know living with my single mum at the time uh, some years and that really really helped me it made it possible yeah. for me and also look into the university itself because you get in like the, the nationwide grants, but look into the university itself because they do separate grants sometimes, which again, really helped me. And I probably wouldn't have been able to afford to live otherwise. So if you are going the traditional route and you're not aware of that stuff, have a Google. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, also fair. have a Google of these hybrid routes. I do think it's important to note that we're not necessarily saying that, that university education and the traditional route is bad. Like I, I really enjoyed my time at university it was extremely long but i've i don't know i met some really good people Lawrence, for example hey. <laughs> at both universities and like uh learned a lot along the way but i i just think that yeah if we're talking about barriers there's there should be other potential options for people to take and yeah, if we were absolutely. learning more of the right stuff at uni maybe maybe we'd be more valuable to employers when we come out you know instead of spending so long on the academic side of design if we got into the nitty-gritty of what it takes on a day-to-day we'd be more valuable to employers and, and wages would be better and then that's a positive that's like a positive cycle because then wages go up and you encourage more people who who for wages it's an important factor yeah yeah fair enough i just realized i answered paul's question wrong but hey there you go sorry yeah, paul I thought, I thought you might have been approaching it at the wrong the wrong end well let me hear, let me go on that though because i think no one before used to ask about salaries but paul i reckon it's more than 10 percent um i reckon now more than ever people talk about salaries that's my theory and maybe it's because of my job but like when i speak on the phone the first thing's always about money so um it's it's it's, it's interesting hearing you guys talk about barriers to entry. Do you think uh, one of the barriers to entry, you talked about the, the connection between academia and architecture practice. Now, I think that there is a disconnect. I was invited to the Bartlett Roundtable, and I think the Bartlett have invited people from the industry to come in and talk about things because obviously there was the massive Bartlett report talking a little bit about what Paul was saying before, of architecture compared to MasterChef, you know, kind of an abusive culture of, you know, Gordon Ramsay kind of thing. I'll get my swear button ready. Like, you know, what the <laughs> How 
How stupid are you? You know, like, how could you ever build a building like that? You're a disgrace. Get out of my studio. You know, I think there's like a bit of like that thing that happened, but. Do you like definitely, it? definitely. You talked about Cardiff. I've heard anecdotes of tutors ripping drawings off the walls um, before the, the and and yeah, the the Bartlett report was pretty scathing. Um, I don't like the sound of that. I've experienced it. Um, <laughs> kind of going back to what we said at the beginning, you know, that yeah. your careers advisor said that you didn't have the right skills. Um, I've met people along along the way in my education, architecture education that have either explicitly told me or implied that this isn't the right job for me. You know, yeah. and that imposter syndrome stuff you get gets worse and worse in that. Um, but there, it takes all sorts to be an architect, and it takes all sorts of architects to make the profession. So if you're if you're looking to study or you're looking to get into the job, but you feel like, for, you know, it's not for you. If you love if you love doing it, or you think you'll love doing it, go for it. That's that would be my advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, you kind of have to. So the idea of building buildings, I mean, what other profession does it, right? I mean, I think that's the trade-off for salaries is that, you know, it could be this um, amazing career where, you know, you're not clock watching, you're literally building buildings, you're making a big difference to the urban fabric. Whereas I don't know about you guys, but I've had loads of part-time jobs before where I was just like, literally like, oh my God, (laughs) can the end of the day come, you know? And then they put, especially like, um, sorry for anyone in working in a supermarket but i used to be in waitrose like and they were good because it's good food like you know but you know, <laughs> it's just still stacking shelves lads you know like soul destroying and then you get a grumpy customer going like excuse me i cannot find this and you know what, what was wrong with the layout and i'm like ma'am i do not design the store okay yeah. i'm on three pound fifty trying to survive architecture school but the point is there must be some awesome stuff in architecture. So a quick light note before we go on. So what do you both enjoy about the jobs and now that you're in it? Um, it's yeah, the design, it's the design. It's all the stuff you do at uni for me. It's, yeah. um, you know, it's the, the drawing and the, the different iterations, talking with your client, talking with consultants making it work in, in real life. That, that's every, that's the dragon that everyone chases, cool. I yeah. think. I think it's like the challenge, isn't it? It's the challenge, like the design, kind of um, fixing any problems that come up. Like you have, suddenly somebody comes in and they need a completely different thing and then you have to, there's a problem and you have to kind of solve the issue and you get to I know, spend a lot of time playing with different options, like Lawrence says. I think it's ultimately the design is the exciting thing. Yeah, and you both are really good at that because I've seen Joe. You're you're a bit of a magician flipping around um, apartments really quick. That's like your 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 nimble skill in there, isn't it? I would never refer to myself as an expert at anything. You're but an apartment flipper. I'm an apartment flipper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you apartment flippers. Now you're both good at it. Very interesting, right? You'd be impressed, Lawrence. Actually, we we're blitzing through your list. We're kind of getting there, you know. We so far we've touched upon class, race, and gender diversity in architecture, or basically the lack thereof, right? And it is important. We've covered a bit of the failures of the architecture um, education system. Can you talk about, because what, um, what's interesting, at Accra Larry, I think you guys been a part of setting up a work experience program. So what would be really interesting to know is like, where did this idea come from? Who is the kind of person that comes on the work experience? And then what do you do on that work experience week or what have you? Well, it was looking at me. I think the, um, 
I won't want, I don't want to say that I came up with the idea, but <laughs> I don't know. It came it, out of a team. Ring? It probably came yeah. out of a drunken conversation in a pub, um, talking about how I think there's kind of limits to getting into architecture, and how I went through architecture school talking to a lot of people who were privately educated, um, and were didn't come from the same kind of background as where I grew up from, um, and I was like, it's quite clear that there's some level of disparity here between like the people in industry and kind of the the general populace um which touches on all those other things you said like in terms of like race and gender and um, <coughs> general backgrounds and things yeah um so i posed i think to ollie and said we i'd like to get involved in schools um and somehow i don't know inspire or just get people to understand that they this is an opportunity for them because as Lauren said before, you know, everybody lives in the world. Everyone lives in these cities and buildings that we design. So yeah. we have a representative um, profession that is, you know, designing for those people. Nice. Um, and then I, yeah, I think I badged on about it for a while. And then we ended up, I talked to Lawrence about it and Lawrence wanted to help out. And, and now Lawrence is kind of the driving force <laughs> and doing all the, um, doing all the things because I, I forget. Well, you're, I'm, you're I'm the not. brains and he's <laughs> the bronze, right? I, I, I came up with an idea and I, I'm not smart enough to make things happen. And Lawrence Forget that. <laughs> but the important thing is, yeah, we've put together a workers with program. I've done it before in my previous practices. But, um, you know, normally work experience kids are the children of clients, which is fine. But we would love it to, um, you know, to here at Aqua Larry to welcome guys who don't have those connections. That's such a big part of the barriers of architecture is the is the family okay. connections, the names you know or don't know. Um, forget that. Like, If you need work experience, then come talk to us um, at Acrid Larry. We've created a week-long program where, as we said, we give you a little site down the road. We give you a brief. We act as a client and as a, um, what's the other one, the, as an associate, someone yeah. who's looking out for you. And you design up a, a building, uh, normally a house, um, and it gives you a little flavor of what it's like. It probably get you excited because it's the fun bit of architecture. Mm. Um, and it, it can help you with your university applications or maybe job applications. Um, as a tangent to that, we're also really happy to help you with university um, portfolios or maybe give you some interview experience. That's another barrier, isn't it? That like, it, yeah. uh, in my experience, privately educated kids are really good at talking to people. They've done a lot of presenting. They know how mm. to be charm charming and all that. Whereas um, in state school, I felt like we didn't do much of that at all. And I just had to rely on my own innate BS. Um, and so if you need a bit of interview prep, you know, you need some buzzwords, again, come to us. We can help you. If you need a bit of mentoring, we'd love to help. Um, hopefully it won't take up my entire job. But um, like, come, yeah. yeah. <laughs> things are things are logging up now at the end as we're, <laughs> yeah. as we're trying to get involved in more schools and trying to get involved in more people yeah and, and if you're clogging up the inbox with uh, how we're gonna how we're gonna fit this in among, around our yeah our if you're if you're listening and you're part of a work experience program or um careers program at like locals especially in london in schools and colleges get in touch with us we're happy to go and do outreach stuff we'd love to talk about architecture with kids um who you know otherwise have no idea what it is I, think, I didn't. Yeah. I think that's what we need to do. That's like the first step we were talking. Like, I think when we first started talking about how we were going to get this kind of experience program off the ground, we were like, we came up with the the thing and like how we were going to get people excited about architecture. And then we were like, well, we don't have anyone to do it. Like, there's no, we don't know oh. where to get people from. 
so then even getting in contact with schools was you know that was the next step that we had to cross so we um, had to send out emails to all these people and eventually you get back with somebody but like yeah we just if anybody um anybody who happens to be listening wants to wants to get involved then we're happy to come and talk to the nice. students about architecture yeah, we'll 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 do that. I'll, we'll we'll get it on the website. Our Bill Studios in Waterloo do something not quite the same, but I think you guys will get along. But obviously, Akrad Larry really cares about um, you know the local area as well. As I know, because when I gotta go there, I gotta go all the way up to blooming Bethnal Green, which now I started to warm up to. But at first, I was like Bethnal Green. You know, I'm not I'm not familiar with this area. But you, that's right. So then. So you do a lot of stuff locally in the area. You love, you know, the schools there and so on and forth. But then the project is virtual as well. So that's cool. So they can't get in trouble, right? That's good. So they're not going to, you yeah. know, mess anything up. That's yeah. probably a better work experience than what I've <laughs> seen where people go for work experience and then they end up doing, like, I don't know, cleaning up the files in the systems for like yeah. a week. Yeah. We there'll be none of that. Actual, there'll be no making teas. Um, we want it to be an actual real, well, I guess a uh, slightly um, romanticized version, but also very real. Like we want them cool. to know what it is that we do in our day-to-day jobs. And yeah, not, and you not don't need any skills. Like, you don't need like, you know, you don't need to know certain softwares and stuff. Like we can help you with all of that. Don't feel like, oh, I don't know how to use X. Just come and, and we'll like show you the ropes and, and it'll be fun. Yeah, um, it's really valuable. And um, I tell you one quick thing gents is that uh, at Westminster there was a weak thing where you had to work in practice and and this was years ago and you know I was I was bricking it you know I was like oh I gotta wear a shirt and going in the office and and I was really scared but it was amazing because you were in the office you soak up the environment you learn so much and that's why I'm really glad to see that you're doing work experience okay some can be remote it can be in the office but you really get a feel of it there's nothing like being there to really get a sense of it and and either you pick up the bug or then the worst case i always say to people is then if you don't like it then you know don't you or 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 you or alternatively you know you get a a sense of the place so so accurate larry small to medium practice architecture practice you know about 30 people it's really nice some people like the, the big corporate companies or it could be the other way around you 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 totally like that independent company vibe which is cool and then you gravitate towards that so i always think it's good to go to different work experiences as well you don't have to do just one you know it's like what's it like to work at acrolary <laughs> what's it like to work at Stephen Drew Architects, before you say anything, Joe, it would be amazing to work at Stephen Drew Architects. I think the, I think the AIB might come after you for that. You can't say yeah, that. I'm not an architect. <laughs> AIB, I'm not an architect. It was a joke. <laughs> I'm not an apology for that. Oh, I got I got a letter today from somewhere else in the world for something online. We were talking about that earlier. So, yes, you've got to be very careful what you say online. While we were saying here, while we were, let me see. I've got something coming. I'm just going to quickly scan it. Um... Oh, yeah. Well, we'll bring it up. We'll risk it because I can't do two things at once. So Jan says the best part of seven years learning about skyhooks and budgetless dreams than having to learn the reality on the job is to be told by some clients, why do we need an architect when a builder can draw it 
on the back of a fag packet and submit it to planning. Oof, brutal. Hence the article in The Guardian recently. Ah, yes, this, uh, Gu- this Guardian article has upset a lot of people. Of an architect is a rich man's folly by Giles Corden, which scathed architects. We could do with support from the RABA in wage limit fee- fees, fee scales, and maybe control over who can submit planning applications, which dot, dot, dot. Well, we didn't get the end of it there, but I, I think it's fair to say, and, I, and then, even though, because I've been on the ROBA council, haven't I? But being impartial to that, you know, another um, contentious point, I guess, before is that a lot of people, including myself at some point, do, do you feel supported by the ROBA and all these governing bodies? And is there a lot more they can do? Lawrence, I see you nodding your head here. And don't worry, we're not going to go with the picket forces outside the RIBA and stuff. But do you do you agree with Jan? Do you think that like the RIBA needs to come in and, you know, get involved with, you know, these wage limits, fees and fee scales and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we used to, didn't we? We used to have like, we, we used to sort of live outside the pools of, of a capitalist economy and set our own wages. Um, and then that got rid of, I think it was in the eighties, wasn't it? Um, and mm. has been a problem. And I go back and forth over this. I think a bigger problem than, I mean, we, we, we need to charge better fees and we need as an industry to look after each other instead of a race to the bottom. Um, but beyond that, we need to stop working for free. We need to actually do the job that the fee pays for. Um, yeah. We're so scared of of our clients running off that we, you know, we just do a load of free work and we take on liability that we we don't deserve to. Um, I mean, it's a much bigger issue about about wages in architecture. And, and my only input from this conversation's perspective would be we need to teach our kids or our, our young adults in university the right skills. Um, and uh, sorry, I forget the name of the questionnaire. But uh, uh, what they Jan, were, uh, Jan, Jan, who yeah. sheepishly says, "I don't mean this on negative." Don't worry, Jan. We're all Christmassy <laughs> mates. Yeah, you're not going to get in trouble. We're you're in good company. What what um, what they're touching upon um, is that it's a total disparity between what you what you learn at university and then you come into the real world and it's a real like you know dunk in cold water. And you uh, you kind of just hope, or I hope that you still you still love it, which I do. Okay. Um, but we need to we need to be more practical with our skill, like what the skills we're learning. And, and the skyhooks thing is such a good point. And everyone I speak to who's been to university talks about this: is that the educational system is broken. Um, and Reba could do a lot to help. And then hopefully would be more more helpful to our employers. And that okay, would help. I think wages. that that if we circle back to kind of the discussion about the hybrid kind of costs and things like that, yeah, is something that would help. Like the the active mm-hmm. system education system at the minute even though it does allow for you to do the year out and then like another year at part two i guess you you're for your part one year out a lot of the time you're not really you're not doing loads and loads of stuff like you you are assisting you Mm -hmm. kind of but i don't know i recall from my part one it it was a bit disjointed but i didn't really feel like i learned loads like i about how to necessarily put a building together and then after two more years at masters i'd kind of forgot it all again so as soon as i came into part two afterwards it's like starting all over again. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, if you're doing like a hybrid course and like, I think they're talking about doing like a condensed five-year course almost where you could work alongside it as well. Like you're, you're going to be getting this, that experience at both sides. And I think, I don't know, ultimately I feel like it will probably um, cultivate 
the long term more sorry, sorry yeah. um the long term vision for the Aquid Larry Academy <clears throat> which is what you know this work experience program is part of from our director level is that we could bring people on to work and study as architects full time and they can get trained up in the skills and you know practice as as uh, effectively as an architect without the professional title now that might not be for you um and that's you know each individual's person's decisions to make but we've all you know Stephen and joe you'll have met people who never went to university who don't have that that piece of paper that says i'm an architect who are amazing architects and there's plenty of star architects who are like that aren't there um yeah. and so hopefully here at Alcadari, we're like trying to push um for that to be like a long-term gain uh, you know gain of ours that we people can come in and learn how to be an architect without the need for formal education that comes from the initial kind of thought of it that you could that anybody could be an architect and i guess if you don't have that ability to go to university and spend all that time then if you know if, if you come in on one of our work experience courses uh and like we meet you through a school or whatever and then you're you show a lot of passion and you really want to get involved in the industry but you just don't have i don't know the time maybe or you don't have um for some reason you can't go to university then there's potential that you could work in the industry and you could work for Akadlari as a um, and then step up through the ranks um, in that way and kind of learn what you need to learn here. And then maybe you, if, I think we talked about it a lot about, we don't want to stop people going to university if they want to. Mm. Um, and like, maybe there'd be a way that perhaps you could support people through education while they were um, also working here, which I guess, again, harks back to kind of the hybrid, um, mm -hmm. yeah, the hybrid courses. Yeah, nice. Well, I just brought up the website. So if anyone's, interested in getting in touch with, with you on that then then they can but we haven't finished just yet don't worry and i'm not letting you guys go just just yet <laughs> you know um as long as you want to stay that is what i was going to say because i think we've covered a lot of points here but i think it's quite interesting to throw it back to me because you know i've been the one asking the questions here now and um we all have different perspectives which are equally valued from the um industry is there any questions you'd like to ask me gentlemen about the barriers or lack of diversity in architecture and all that stuff it's well not on the agenda <laughs> um no. well you're you know you've got one foot in recruitment Stephen. yeah um, you know from a recruitment point of view what are people looking for very good question yeah i mean in on the graduate level and you touched upon it lawrence and joe and, and just to reiterate it i think that one of the trade-offs that universities of course it's about critical thinking and design ability and all that stuff but one of the immediate trade trade-offs for employers should be software skills and that's like an easy trend stack because it's like hey you've not built yet right so if you come in all like with amazing renders and and at the same time you you've you've got like kick-ass BIM or you've at least experimented in that area or whatever then I think like that's a really nice way that's a trade-off in the industry you know the analogy of the bouncer like why should you come in here and it's like oh I got Revit and they're like oh good that's a buzzword and I think that the danger is that um depending on the university how much software is emphasized is completely different you know um I remember during my first year of university people were like oh you shouldn't touch a computer you got to be drawing you're going to be one of them and I was like I was like itching to get on the computer as soon as possible and then people started going that way but I do think that software is probably the barrier there I mean when you get further in your career 
there's barriers for different reasons. I mean, one thing to avoid, which always comes to mind, I think is getting pigeonholed. I mean, it's a difficult one, but you can get pigeonholed on RIBA stages and sectors, sectors in particular. So like a really extreme example is like healthcare or, or transport. You know, like say now you've worked on TFL for the last 10 years, you're going to be amazing at designing um, underground stations, but not much else. And I think that our industry can be very unforgiving on, on like moving across. So it's like, you know, if someone rocks up in, in a residential practice with a lot of train station experience and underground, they're probably not going to get the job because of the the sector. So it doesn't mean you won't earn a lot of money. People can consult for TFL and earn a lot of money. But the point I'm going to go, I'm going in, in, in barriers is that I think sectors sectors and softwares are typically the, the biggest barriers. And so I think as a student, I would always try to get as much sectors experiences as you can, but don't be too harsh on yourself when you went into the industry. I don't know about what you guys, but when I joined EPRs of part one, you're just like happy to get in the industry. So really you get chucked on a project and you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, yep, that's me. And it, if it's residential, then you tend to do residential for a year or commercial, you tend to do commercial for a year. I think don't worry about it at the start, but my advice is like to people, especially when they're becoming recently qualified, you need to think about if you will really want to continue in that sector. You need to research the long-term factors of that sector. And if you don't want to do it, I think it's a good time to move aside. So what, what do I to cover? <laughs> Software, sectors, that's it. Oh, and sectors can affect money big time. That's the other thing people never think about. So my last rant before I move on no, is like, good. so data centers, for example, is extremely limiting but extremely profitable because Facebook and all that stuff, right? They're throwing money at the architects comparatively to other sectors, social housing, data centers. What's everyone on? Social media, right? So data centers are getting knocked up and you, you can make a lot of money, but then it's like, do I want to design data centers? And some people are like, nah, but other people are like, yeah, I love it, right? So it's money. Um, sectors and software are all connected. And um, yeah, I think that when you're a student, it's less about the sectors, it's more about the software that you can offer. Was that useful, Joe um, and Lawrence, my, my long rant thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do, I do have one question for you, which you probably touched on a lot in the past. Go on. Um, but talking about like part one, yeah. how do you think we help, you can help part ones get like into the industry more because I don't know. I feel like when I, things might change now, but I doubt it. When I applied for my part one, I applied to like a hundred jobs. Yeah. And back from like two. And like, it's very, um, I think, I feel like the industry as a whole can be quite, especially at the university, it can be quite, um, you can make, you take a lot of criticism. You have to kind of be able to shoulder a lot of criticism. And I feel like then applying for so many jobs, not hearing anything back, maybe it's like, another knockback which is like so destroying kind of moment isn't it yeah like, oh. so what how do you think we can you know help part ones in any way and prepare them for how to get a job yeah really good <laughs> question really around so no really good question well, it's an ongoing thing i mean that's kind of where the idea of the architecture social started in lockdown so it's like i'll talk about cvs and portfolios 
to help people get jobs. And I've been building content there. The truth is, it's not like just one of us can do it. It's like you said, it's a collaborative thing. So I can talk about what looks good in a CV and portfolio, but it's been years since I've done technical detailing, right? And when you're in an interview, I can't comment on the strength of a technical detail because I've done it for so long and that can trip up an interview, you know? So it, there's a lot of facets. And I think that the ideal scenario is that we keep building content like the Acro Larry Academy, like the Architecture Social, and just try to get it out there for people that they can easily find it. I think the trick is like, how do you get to students in all the noise? So it's like, for example, one or two people I was speaking to in the last week or two who knew me for doing these live streams, like crazy LinkedIn live stream guy, then they're aware of some of the content I was doing from it, but there's still a lot of people who are not familiar with it. So it's like, how do you reach out to people who are not aware of my website, not aware of Acre Lowry, and how do you get to them? And you touched upon it a little bit about trying to ring in universities, but I don't know about you, your guys' experience with that, but with my experience of trying to get in with universities takes a long time. You gotta ring them up, you gotta try to get that connection. They're they're doing their course, unit tutors are working on, you know, seasonal times, they're off during certain weeks and months, and it takes a lot of work. It's not impossible. <clears throat> but my so for me, we have all this good stuff spread out there. And there's a lot of good people are doing this stuff, but it's just not being found. And and I'm not talking about like a search engine optimization lesson. Yeah, I'm just thinking like, how do you reach out to these people? It's like that South Park quote, isn't it? How do I reach out to these kids? And it's like, I don't know. It's a hard one. And I think we just got to keep doing it. Keep. I mean, I mean, one of the things that I'm coming to mind, which I haven't done is actually TikTok, I think, as much as I hate to say it, it's like going on TikTok. I don't know if like, hey, kids, study architecture, <laughs> dance. You've got, your, you've got your lighting behind you. I think that'll... Yeah, got the light. Well. My CD lighting, as you said before, isn't it? Un <laughs> unbelievable. That was, that was backstage. That was backstage. <laughs> it's all right. I don't mind it. it. Now you said it, I'll change the colors. Well, I might keep it, but yeah, it has got a bit of a string fellow vibe to it now I've looked at it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so maybe it's going into non-conventional channels and reaching out and trying to give people the information they're looking for. And then it's kind of like cataloging it, Lawrence, like you said before, you know, it's like CV here, portfolio here. And like Joe, as you said, maybe it's technical bit here or a BIM course here. But it's it's very hard to know um, what people want. I tell you um, one lesson I learned a year and a half ago when I had the community forum, there was this really nice guy. I think his name was Simon, Simon Murphy. And he spent hours, guys, doing these Revit courses. And I did one or two with him. And, you know, it was for the community and it was for free. And then he had a competition. And so Simon made this massive competition of this, like, fake building, a little bit like what you were doing now. And I put prizes in and all this stuff. And it was an assignment to design these projects. And it was a great idea. And we got there and, and to the to the deadline and there was no submissions. And I that's when I learned I was like supply and demand or like, you know, it, so for instance, a 10 minute video I do on YouTube about top 10 things wrong in CVs, that video just keeps building up every month. 
But to do something which requires a lot of commitment in Revit, where you need the license and it's a great idea and there's prizes, but it's a lot of work, nothing. So you, you, it's like, how do you reach out to people who have a short attention span in these social algorithms is an ongoing question of mine. Is that hmm. rant also useful? Very. I think so. Yeah, it's thanks. Quite good that we need to... Architecture TikTok is the way forward. Oh yeah, I keep hearing that. Um, I, I don't want to do it, but we we got to look <laughs> at it, guys. You know, why is everyone on TikTok doing karate chop? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that just shows you how bad my dancing is. Where I'll just do dad dance, you know, like oh, Peter oh. K style. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can we just yeah? If we could just plug ourselves uh, for one more minute, is that if you want work experience, you want help with your with your interview or you want help with your university application or even maybe you're looking for a job and you want to start at the very bottom run of architecture then yeah please get in touch at Aquid Larry and Joe and I and there's plenty of other people here um would love to help you um genuinely like from the bottom of our heart it's not we haven't got an ulterior motive we, we would really like to see more diversity in architecture and um, we think we feel it's important um we can't have you know, posh white old men designing the cities of the future forever. Unfortunately, I think their time yeah. is over, and I'm probably going to be one of them. Fair enough. I love it. Yeah, you are, Lawrence. Hey, That's back of my head. And there's there's Oliver, and we got Ben over here, the architectural apprentice, right? You know, yeah. he's looking happy, isn't he? You know. Yeah, well, we we were told to look happy in that photo. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you must look happy now. Cheese. Okay, it's a great place to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, yeah, brilliant. All right, gentlemen, Joe, do you have any like final um bits that you'd like to add as well? well I think I think we covered it. I think yeah, the, we just want to make sure that everybody understands that the message isn't, you know, it's it's not really for us necessarily. It's we're trying to help as much as we can and. Uh, we just want, if people want to get in contact, anyone from, if, I don't know what your demographic of listeners is, Stephen, but I imagine there's not many like school age people who would want to get in contact. But if there's anybody who happens to like know schools or be involved in schools, then we're happy to do outreach and um, come and chat to kids and try and get them involved in architecture in some capacity. Yeah. And we're developing cool. the, the, the presentation we're going to, we're going to, it's going to be more exciting. Oh, the presentation is going to be great. Yeah. Maybe we'll stop doing the, the live thing. We'll figure it out, but. <laughs> perfect amazing well on that note i've oh, let me just check i've got one i've got one final comment that's come in which is brilliant discussion thanks Stephen, joe and lawrence well the big thank you goes to you guys because this has been very easy for me because you pretty much run the show so thank you so much i really appreciate you being here i'm probably going to end the live stream now because uh, we've been bang on an hour which is perfect so thank you so much joe and lawrence absolutely amazing what you do you should be really proud of yourself and yeah all the stuff that you guys do at acro larry is amazing i can't wait to see the updates on the acro larry academy but also as well keep me up to date on how um it goes with the work experience stuff it's really cool thanks Stephen. yeah thanks for having yeah, us thank on thank you very much really enjoyed it really good chat all right guys on that note everyone who's tuned in thank you so much have a good week try not to do too much work and now if there's if i manage to find another excuse to do a show so that you can you know distract yourself for another hour 
I'll update it on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. I'm going to go now. Um, have a great day. Try not to get too drunk and don't slip in the snow and see you all soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.